0: Well, hey, Madison Church, I have with me today clinical Chief Clinical Officer Tanya letman Shu, the Journey Mental Health Centers here in Madison. Um, Tanya, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we're talking about heavy stuff in this entire series. We've talked about anxiety. We've talked about depression. But today we're taking a, a, a bit of a turn, and it is getting heavier, and it is getting deeper. We're talking about suicidal ideation. And so I just want to say thank you so much for joining us and and sharing your expertise. Um, We're believing that talks like this and making this resource, this interview with you, um, public is going to help save at least one life, if not more. Now, mental health issues are hard to talk about. Suicide is hard to talk about. Why do you think it is that it's just so hard for people to talk about this, even though recent studies show that perhaps as many uh, as one-third of young adults have had suicidal ideation in the past 12 months.
1: Well, I do so appreciate you having me here to talk with your congregation about this. It is an extremely important dialogue and one that we don't have enough. People are afraid to talk about it for lots of different reasons. Um, However, the biggest one is a sense of inadequacy and fear that if they bring the topic up, from the position of the person experiencing suicidal ideation, that they will not be heard, or if they're heard, they'll be misunderstood. Um, We have certain stigmas that exist around the sense of suicidal ideation. And oftentimes you hear people say that the act of suicide is selfish. And that's one person's perception of it. But that is not the reality for the person who's experiencing a suicidal, ide- uh, experiencing suicidal ideation. Um, it's not the thing that they used as a frontline coping mechanism. It's, it's the place that they've come to. And there's fear that they won't be understood. It's fear that they won't be taken seriously. Or there's fear that they'll be blamed for having those feelings in the first place. Or that it'll be pushed aside and those feelings will be minimized. From the side of the person who's curious or wondering about whether somebody is suicidal, it's, it's a fear that if I bring it up, I might insert a thought. If we talk about it, I might give them an idea that wasn't already there in the first place. And what we know actually um, from speaking to people who are survivors of suicidal ideation is That's just not the case. Um, You're never going to insert a suicidal thought that wasn't already there. For the person who's experiencing suicidal ideation, odds are that they've had it ruminating in their head for quite some time. Um, Recent uh, research has indicated that some people experience their earliest suicidal thoughts um, in their childhood, going back sometimes to the early ages of five, six, seven. Um, And those are really heavy it's a hard thing for us to think that societally we have people walking around during even their childhoods with very deep distress and pain. So it's extremely stigmatizing um, to think that there's any fault in this, when in actuality, it's just something. It's a thought. It's a thought somebody has. And if we treat it as a thought, a thought that can be addressed, um, that, that we can actually help the person identify, maybe attach to resources and help them get to the other side of that they can become survivors. And that's a new and exciting place in the field of mental health is that you can be a survivor of suicidal ideation and attempts, and that you can be in active recovery. And so that's the good message. That's the hopeful message that I hope that we can get out there
0: when you said that as young as maybe five
1: Mm
0: -hmm. have had these thoughts or or start to begin to have these thoughts. I actually, I have a five year old as my firstborn son. And so to think of um, all of the things that we're going through, you know, getting excited for 4k and um, watching superhero squad on Disney plus, but to think then as a parent that perhaps my son could be having these thoughts and their other parents have kids, but perhaps people who are adults now, say, yeah, that was me. Like, I I can remember having those thoughts. What are some of the root issues or what are some of the causes behind Mm. suicidal ideation?
1: As I indicated before, you know, suicidal ideation isn't the first line of a coping mechanism or or a coping defense skill. Um, It really is where a person gets to after they've typically suffered a major injury in their life and some of those injuries can be be cumulative and small and start in early childhood abuse neglect um, having been raised in a household where there's untreated mental illness or untreated addictions um, and those typically then lead to the neglect um, that a child might experience um, some of our lgbtq community talks about even at very early ages having a sense that they didn't feel like they belonged in their body and as a sense they felt very alienated and um their one way of thinking about um, having some relief not knowing that they are a transgendered person or that they are um a, a gay person a gay or lesbian person um or bisexual person um is to think about how how can i get out And so those are some real early on things that can lead to, um, suicidal ideation, um, other injuries that might occur losses of parental figures that are really, really traumatic. Um, (sighs) any big loss that we sustain in our lives, even as adults. Here, we're in the midst of this pandemic. People are losing loved ones due to COVID. Um, People have lost their jobs. People are incurring large amounts of debt. Any of those are experienced as a huge stressor in our lives and as a moral injury. If a person doesn't have a really good support system, if they become depressed themselves, if they lose their housing or any of their social determinants of health care or supports, um, that can cause a person to become helpless, hopeless, and, and lose sight of a future. And so those are some things that can lead it. So depression and anxiety. Um, can lead it. other, if you have a major mental health concern, um, such as bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, um, any of those things can be extremely scary and sometimes um, reality-altering. And so if you become psychotic, uh, it can really lead you down that path. So there's lots of things that lead a person there, but it's never... It's never a quick judgment. It's never a place a person has got to easily. And so that's what we people need to know. If you're sensing that somebody may be struggling with suicidal ideation, it's okay to ask that question. It's okay to ask, are you okay? Are you thinking about hurting yourself? Are you worried for your own safety? How can I help? And those aren't questions that fall off people's tongues, but we can practice them. We can practice them. We can become proficient at asking them. And we may not be the person to deliver the intervention, the thing that, you know, keeps a person from hurting themselves, but we can certainly be the first step on that journey.
0: Yeah, no, that's one of the things that we've talked about in this series when we've interviewed other um, mental health providers has been, if we do know somebody who is struggling with anxiety, we do know someone struggling with depression. And so when we're thinking about the people that we love, um, as people are watching this interview, and they're thinking of a family member who might be struggling with suicidal ideation, your advice to them would be to talk, to ask open questions, to kind of be very non-jud- non-judgmental, very accepting. Is there anything additional to the conversation aspect um, of talking with somebody um, that you would recommend, or are there resources available to somebody who has a family member or a friend who has suicidal ideation?
1: You just outlined open, accepting, non-judgmental. And if you can even say, I'm really looking to have a conversation with you, please know, no judgments. Please no, I'm gonna stick in here with you. Um, I, I really want to be a present active listener here for you and supportive you know those are really important things to say prior to having this conversation because those are in the back of that person's minds and if you can reassure them in advance of the the dialogue that you're not going to run that you're not going to judge and that you're going to stick there stick by them the person will be more likely to disclose and there are a lot of resources actually Um, We in Wisconsin, in Dane County in particular, have had a lot of successes in seeing a decline in our suicide rate. And there is recent literature, I actually can send you some, um, but there was a report put out in 2020 um, by the state, and it's called Preventing Suicide in Wisconsin, Partners Saving Lives in Our State. And it is a really comprehensive report. I can send you the link so that your, your parishioners have it. Um, it is really helpful and it talks about language. It talks about you, how we use terms to um, demystify suicidal ideation, how we, um, pro- there's an old terminology, committed suicide. Well, we don't say committed suicide anymore. We say died by suicide. We say took their life by suicide because committed suicide has a, a, it implies a crime behind it. Um, We commit crimes. We commit violent acts against other people. And and yes, it is a violent act against ourselves, um, but committing suicide has, has a certain connotation with it. And there's a whole section of that report that talks about The language is how to be empathetic when having the conversation with somebody who's struggling. Um, It also talks about how to access resources. There are a lot of hotlines. There is a texting line for those youth who find it difficult to speak to somebody on the phone. So there's a texting helpline. In Dane County, Journey has a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week Uh, crisis line, and that number is always staffed. Um, Right now, we're taking on average between 300 and 450 calls, or I'm sorry, 3,500 to 4,500 calls a month. That is pretty significant. Um, People are struggling more than ever before, and they're reaching out for the help that they need, which is really encouraging to me. Um, And we would encourage any of you to utilize that call as well, like I said, it's staffed by mental health professionals 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and it's for anybody experiencing suicidal ideation, worried about taking it, making an attempt, needing to get connected to hospitalization, and/or experiencing a major mental health concern.
0: Right, and Journey Mental Health Centers uh, is one of the local health providers that we have provided email address and uh, website and. Uh, phone numbers for, for, for our congregation. And we also have that national suicide lifeline um, number that we'll be showing again at this service. We'll include it in this uh, interview, Mm -hmm. but wow. I mean, the stats would be that you guys are receiving uh, about a hundred phone calls a day uh, on Mm -hmm. if we're just taking the average. And so definitely something that a lot of people um, are, are just really struggling with right now and, and thinking about. So it's almost certain that somebody listening or watching is going to be thinking about this for themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, What would you say directly to them? I mean, it's anonymous. We don't know who they are, but they're watching us right now. What would you say to them right now?
1: I'd say that I I believe that they are experiencing pain and you're not alone. Um, The pain that you're experiencing is real. And that there is assistance for that. You do not have to live a life where you're experiencing emotional pain to the extent that you're thinking about taking your own life. There there is another side um, to the suicidal ideation, and there are people who successfully navigate this and go on to lead lives that are free of suicidal ideation. Um, There is a powerful documentary that I would encourage them to watch, and it's called The S Word, Um, S as in suicide, The S Word. And in this documentary, there are a great many survivors talking about their experience. And for me, one of the most um, important and impactful parts of that was listening to a gentleman talk about how he would go back and he'd write to his 20-year-old self. And he'd tell them that there was a time where you'd no longer try to take his take his own life. And he'd tell that 20-year-old self that he found love, that he found acceptance, that he found happiness, and that he had a family. And, and to just hang in there and to know that there was life beyond the suicidal ideation. And it takes a lot of work to get to that other side. And that therapy can be a piece of that. Um, a spiritual community might be a piece of that. Um, education might be a piece of that, but that there is another way to live life. Um, it, it's, it's a really powerful documentary for the person who's experiencing suicidal ideation to know that they're not alone and to know that there's hope as well as those who are loved ones. So part of that, that documentary shows the parents of that gentleman talking about how for them, they didn't know for so long. And how difficult it was for them to accept that. Um, There's also a gentleman by the name of Kevin Hines, who is one of the only known survivors to have jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge, um, and how he chronicles how he survived. And he has now started a not-for-profit organization to talk to people about suicidal ideation, understanding it, and figuring out how to get to that other side, talking to friends, family members. Um, He is a prolific speaker and goes all over the United States talking to mental health professionals about, "Don't don't be shy about this. If somebody had only stopped me that day and said, are you okay? I care. I might not have jumped. If anybody had asked, are you thinking about taking your life again? I might have thought differently. Um, So he really is an advocate for people being upfront and really honest about your fears or your concerns because it can really impact somebody's life. And if you're struggling with ideation, he encourages you to really get out there because having those hidden thoughts doesn't help you get to that other side and learn a new or different way of of experiencing life.
0: So the S Word documentary, we've got uh, multiple phone calls or I'm sorry. Phone numbers that we can call, and even text, which definitely for for a lot of people that would maybe a easier on ramp to having these conversations, as well as a lot of resources that are out there. I'm mm-hmm. wondering though, for um, people in our community who have already lost the loved one to suicide, um, what are there resources for them in in mm-hmm. Madison, in the area, as they grieve? Because um, many in our church know that my cousin died by suicide in December, and I've done lots of funerals for a lot of people who have passed away in different ways. Undoubtedly, the grief that comes around losing someone to suicide was very, very different. Mm-hmm. Not just because it was my family, but just in as I walked through the family of this loss, it was just very, very different lots of questions, more questions, less understanding, a lot of guilt. Yes. And so I'm wondering for people who um, are family members of someone who has passed away by suicide, um, what are those local resources? Mm-hmm.
1: So I want to extend to you my, my sympathy, my empathy around your loss. And, and that loss is real. The pain is real and it's tragic whenever someone dies. But as you say, it gets far more complicated when the person has died by suicide. Um, And it's important that you not grieve alone. And it is important that you not blame yourself. Um, There uh, is a group here in the Madison area started by a woman who lost a loved one to suicide and it's called Survivors of Suicide. Um, it is available through journey um, we are affiliated with it but it is a not-for-profit support group it's its own entity and they meet um, here on our campus sans a pandemic um, and they lend support to one another on a monthly basis and they call one another they provide support and they provide resources so that is both at a, at a Uh, local level, I believe that there is a national um, contingent for that as well. But it is important that you reach out to other people who've experienced similar losses, so that you can share with one another, um, your grieving process, because it is unique. And there is it it doesn't, the grief doesn't dissipate in the same way. Um, The anniversaries are more poignant, because you're Oftentimes, left wondering what that person would have have looked like had they lived another spring or another summer. Um, so there is a lot of sadness, remorse, and guilt. But it's important for the the families to know that um, they're not alone. They're not alone, and they're not to blame.
0: Right. So important. Um, and yeah, I would just add to that. I'm not the speaker at our church this week on the topic, um, but really just important that it's okay to not be okay and it you know it really the guilt and shame that comes around it um is just so unfortunate it but it is great that there are resources um like the one that you mentioned the survivors of suicide that's here in madison that if somebody is grieving they can come into a group setting and, and talk these things through because that's just so helpful um regarding any sort of loss. Is there anything you would like to to add to our conversation? Maybe I didn't ask. You don't feel like we covered it good enough. Something you want to say to someone, anything.
1: You may be uncomfortable. And I understand that. When you start to practice any skill, you're going to be uncomfortable. However, if you give it a shot, you'll get more and more comfortable having these uncomfortable conversations. And it's really important that you do so because you may just save a life. Uh, We have ample opportunity to do public speaking events like we're doing right now. And almost inevitably, one of our staff gets approached by somebody who is either made an attempt, contemplating making attempt, or is worried and wants an intervention with somebody who is, they're concerned about making an attempt. And we can't get comfortable, quick enough. Um, and it's okay. You may say the wrong thing and the it's a pretty forgiving audience. Um, so just know that.
0: Um, yes. And so what we're going to do here, if you're watching or listening on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts, if you're watching uh, at, at our in-person service um, on Sunday night, we'll have all of these resources readily available to give to you and i'll be there to talk to you we have lots of um people who are ready to talk to you and so your life absolutely matters you are not alone we want to be a non-judgmental accepting place for you to come and talk these things through because you do matter immensely Mm so um tanya just thank you so much for spending some time with me today um we believe this is going to help save some lives